0: I guess it was just more of a personal evolution as well as a business one. And then wanting to take it into that next step of, I guess, more meaning to the designs that I create. So organic, sustainable, natural, raw, really to my core essence of what I love and then showing people that you don't just have to have that when you go away on holiday, you can have it at home. You can have that feeling all the time.
1: Welcome to Imprint. A podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Imprint. I'm looking forward to sharing my conversation today with Mon Palmer. Some of you may know her through Instagram and the work that she shares on there. She is from a landscape design background and um, has done SketchUp courses. We will link to everything in the show notes. That is how I came across her work originally, but more recently, she has evolved her business into um, focusing on a boutique accommodation airbnb and acreage properties and taking a more holistic approach to blending the interiors and the exteriors and also just a more holistic approach in terms of her design philosophy and we talk about how her business has evolved, how she's learned to charge for her services what works for her, well for her she says shares some great insights as well into how to make the most of your exterior spaces and has got some really great tips and advice on that so please enjoy my conversation with mon palmer hi mon i'm so excited to have you on the podcast i'm really curious to learn more about your journey i'm a huge fan of your work and the things that you create and um yeah i i would just love to dig straight into you know first of all a little bit about your background where you grew up and if you were a creative as a child i think that's always interesting to know so maybe you can shine a little bit of a light on that part of your journey
0: well thank you first of all for having me so much i I'm such a fan of yours as well. Love your work, love your store. I was actually down um, south in um, the south of uh, Western Australia because I'm from Perth at, in Denmark. And we stayed at this beautiful farm stay called Upland Farm. And when I arrived there, your one of your books was actually on the coffee table. <laughs> and I said to my friend, oh my God, this is the lady who's gonna be interviewing me soon. So um, it was so beautiful. And uh, yeah, so I'm just, you know, when I heard from you, I was just so thrilled a little bit nervous <laughs> because you know, I want to do this justice, but um, yeah, so thank you so much for having me here. Um, uh, yeah, so my journey, um, I it's quite winding and long. It, it wasn't really, I never really thought I was going to be a creative when I was growing up, so I was very um, maths and science based and I wanted to be a zoologist, it was like my lifelong dream. I love animals, um, I love nature and outdoors. Um, But, yeah, it just, life took a little bit of a different turn when I was in high school or school. I moved around a few different schools and, yeah, I just didn't really, I was meant to study, um, to do zoology. I actually got in all of the subjects to get into uni. Um, But then in year 11, things kind of changed and life took a different path. And then once that had happened, then my creative side started to come out, which was very rare for me because when I was growing up, I would stay away from theatre, art, all of that kind of stuff at school. I was petrified of it. Um, And I think it was maybe when I went traveling and lived overseas and lived in London for a while. Uh, And I just, um, yeah, I just maybe because I'm from Perth in Western Australia, we're so isolated here and I just started seeing life in a different way and as life journeys go things change and yeah i when i lived in london i was working for a real estate um, company and uh, i just became fascinated with how people lived in their spaces england uh, and europe was so different from perth and we have a lot of space here we have beautiful weather and i just wondered why we didn't make the most of it (laughs) and so i started to fall in love with landscape design and in london garden design is such an age-old profession and um so yeah we when i was over uh, my brain just started thinking about how i could bring this kind of profession back into um, perth and wa and then australia so yeah and then when i came home i um studied for a while i studied landscape design And then the the journey continued from there. So did you start working for somebody when you
1: came back or did you straight away just start doing your own business?
0: So when I came back, I was actually too scared to um, start studying. So I I came back, I had a mortgage um, in that time. So I had like an investment property. And I just couldn't make that cut from going from full-time work to then studying again, because it would have to be full-time study. I was um, wanting to do um, landscape uh, design. And when I first came back, they didn't actually have a recognised qualification in Perth for landscape design. There was either landscape architecture, which I didn't want to be commercial based. I wanted to work with homes, and there was also horticulture in landscaping at Tate. So after a while, I, um, so I was working for a travel consultancy uh, flight centre for many years, and um, I was doing that while, yeah, I guess kind of um, being too scared to take the plunge. And then uh, after a few years, I was like, you know what, I need to follow my passion. And then I quit full-time work. I started working at Bunnings in the nursery department to get some because i had no idea about plants i you know i'd never really grown up on a farm or land or had any kind of experience in it and just knew i knew i wanted to do it so i got a job in the nursery department at bunnings and um started to kind of learn about plants horticulture and um, full-time study at tafe so uh with the horticulture course it was um I think I was one of two girls in the class and it was horticulture, it was landscaping in horticulture, I think it was called, and we did construction. So we would, uh, you know, build limestone walls, um, lay reticulation, lay lawn, um, do planting, build decks and stuff like that. So I had a ute, had a wheelbarrow, had all the tools. So I started from the ground up, I guess, in that. And that has really helped in terms of going into design. Um, understanding the fundamentals of construction and then while I was studying uh, I had some friends ask about you know can I do their garden can I design their space and so I uh, launched my own business while studying.
1: Okay I love that though like I love the fact that you um, you know you kind of got a job in the relevant field and Cause I mean, my background like way back when is that I actually worked at a paint store. So (laughs) kind of like, you know, I do think that those early threads, it's always interesting to see like where you end up and, (laughs) and how it it all pays off, you know, like, so to this day, things that I learned while working (laughs) in that paint store, it still applies to what I'm doing today, you know, and I did that for over five years while while I was at university. So it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting to see the threads.
0: Yeah i love that and at the time for you you know you may have loved but it may not have made complete sense for me it didn't make sense i you know when i was studying i got i got bullied a lot by the guys in the class because a lot of them there were just wanting to get their um permanent residency here in australia so it was one of those um i think courses that you could do if you were from another country, and then you could get permanent residency if you do that. Because I think not many people wanted to do this course at TAFE. And um, so I used to get a lot of like, what do you call it, sexual harassment? But, um, you know, they would say, oh, you're a girl, you're going to break your finger now. You, you know, you can't do that because you're a girl. It, it was really, it, it was the hardest two years of, um, not of my life because I've had many hard journeys, but, you know, of um, resilience and sticking in there. I had moved around from so many jobs from when I left school to, you know, before finding out what it was that I was passionate about. And when I had made this decision to leave full-time work and go to full-time study, I made a commitment to myself to see it through and to not always be jumping around. Um, and I think, you know, the pressure that I got from those people and just feeling like such an outsider, it, was so hard but it built up a lot of resilience and I'm so glad I stuck at it because I'm still doing it now um but yeah they were really testing times uh and I was so broke so broke and I just you know it was hard to even I had to sell the house in the end because I couldn't afford to pay the mortgage um and go to school and do all of that kind of stuff so um yeah I'm glad I dug my heels in and and kept at it because it was, yeah, at the time it wasn't fun at all, but um, I knew it was going to be worth it in the end. And I bet it's really served
1: you well as well. Not only the lessons that you learned, you know, obviously in terms of the the skills, but being able to go onto a site and be confident in front of trades, in front of, you know, guys (laughs) who maybe sort of see you walking in and thinking like, oh, you know, because there can still be a little bit of that kind of attitude. And oh, I'm sure it's served still you really now. Helped well to have that, yeah, to have that resilience of being able to stand your own ground and sort of know that you're, you've are you got that foundation within you.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm so, uh, you know, and we talk about, you know, certain threads and things that happen in your life. A lot of it doesn't make sense at the time. And um, I kind of had to look after myself while growing up. So, again, a lot of that, like, having to just fall back on yourself and not having to rely on others and you know that's kind of what happened when i was studying i was kind of used to having to just pick it up myself and and just get through it so um and again even like you were saying in the industry and when i started in the industry in landscape design um and construction it it was very male dominated it's great to see it changing you know i i think i studied like 13 14 years ago or something like that and um yeah it does you know it it's allowed me to to let it sort of wash off me when that happens but it still does happen now a lot Mm. so then what happened so you studied
1: you were doing your part-time work or maybe even full-time but you were juggling the the two sides you know of, of studying and work And like you said, you started to take on some small projects. Did you then go and work for somebody else for a period or did you straight away then
0: launch into your own business? So I then um, launched into my own business and then I went into partnership with someone who who I had studied with. We had done a um, display garden at Garden Week in Perth, nothing like the Melbourne one. It was the first time it had ever come here actually and we did this um, Moroccan type courtyard display and it was something different that they'd never really seen before. Anyway, we won the awards for that. And um, then we thought, Oh, you know, we're working really great together. Let's go into partnership. Unfortunately, we have very, had very different goals and um, I guess values for where we wanted to go in life and we were at different stages of our life as well. And so that didn't work out. After an incident had happened, I was like, you know, that's a deal breaker for me. Even though this, um, business was really great that we had created and it, it was kind of like my baby because I didn't have kids at that time. It was a very hard decision to leave because uh, I'd put everything into it and then at that moment when I did, and I was still young, I think I was 24 or 25 maybe at that stage, can't really remember, Maybe or maybe 27. Um, that was when I then approached a landscape architect firm in Perth um, to see if I could work with them because I didn't have the I didn't have the energy or the love to then start up another business because I'd given that one everything I wasn't ready yet to feel that heartache again if that was going to happen again so I um, there's a great company that I loved here. Um, It's called Tim Davies Landscaping and they're a landscape architect firm and construction company. And so, um, yeah, I approached the owner and we sat down and had a chat and they created a role for me. And so I got to work uh, residential, which was great. And I ran my own design projects and um, we were able to, um, yeah, create some really beautiful projects there. And I ended up staying there for I think over three years, which is very rare for me because I don't do well working for others. <laughs> but they were so, um, but the thing was I, work, I worked backwards to how um, a lot of the team did there. So I'm TAFE trained and I'm very much like self-trained as well. And I started there, when I started there, I would work in SketchUp, like a 3D design program. I'd work in that first and then do the detailed drawings afterwards, whereas when I went into that firm, they would do the detailed drawings I saw the plan views, and then the 3D design was like an afterthought or something that may, we may present, you know, with the concept plans. But I knew working in, you know, over the years that I'd worked from studying to having my own business uh, many of my clients were women and I think it was great. I think I was so busy so quickly because I was connecting with the um, with women a lot more in terms of how I presented my design. It was a lot softer and I designed in 3D and I found that we could really get to the essence of the design a lot quicker that way, whereas a lot of people read plans and they can't get that feeling and the whole um, vibe of it so it was kind of hard working for someone in terms of like, I was different to everyone else. Um, again, I felt like a little bit inferior because I wasn't uh, university trained, but I was, you know, getting the clients, we were creating great projects. And at that time, um, the design um, area of the business, like they would always run at a loss because I didn't think they could make money off design only. Um, so we, ch- we turned that around within the business as well. And, um, yeah, so it was kind of I got to be myself, but then I had to, I felt weird being myself because I was different from everyone else. So, but, yeah, and then we ended up, my partner and I, so we've been together for 13 years or so. Um, he uh, had long service leave, I think, his first lot of long service leave. And he did um, triathlons, Ironman triathlons as a hobby, I guess. And he got into the world champs in Montreal. Um, And so I pitched to my boss, can I go and work part-time remote in America? (laughs) Because we wanted to live in Boulder, Colorado for three months. This is where all of the um, professional uh, triathletes train because it's high altitude." and he agreed to it so um so then we moved to the states and lived there which we loved we were so sad to come back this was before kids and um so i worked for this landscape architect firm um part-time remote and this was before COVID. this was in 2016 remote work wasn't really a thing then but i was i had um was following these online business um people um particularly Marie Forleo, and she was like, um, how you can create an online business and all this stuff. So it, it got me thinking, I thought, maybe I can do that. So they allowed me to do it. We had a great three months there. And while we we're there, nearly at the end of it, my partner said, look, I think it's time for you to go out on your own again. <laughs> and so he gave me that little bit of confidence to, to then um, launch again when we came back. And so was that then the kind of the current iteration of the, the business that you have now? Um no, it's kind of evolved since then as well. So when um before in my other business, before I worked for this landscape architect firm, I was kind of looking at what everyone else was doing in the market. Um and because you know, that's what I thought you do when you go into business, you kind of see what else is out there, you kind of emulate it but put your own spin on it. This time when I relaunched, I wanted to be authentically me. And um, so that's when I started up my um, landscape design studio called Slightly Garden Obsessed. I had this different name. Um, It was very, like, female-focused. And, um, yeah, so that just um, grew really quickly, really fast. And I did that for quite a few years. And then um, just recently, I think last year it was, um, I then changed the business again to become a little bit more holistic with interiors and building design Um, and I guess looking at the whole entire space interiors built form and landscape together and that was when Bear Carbo came about.
1: Now I just want to ask you though before we sort of talk more about what you're doing right now is so then how did you start to get your sort of first clients in this sort of you know, once, once you returned from the US, so you sort of decided, okay, I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to launch my own business again. But when did, you know, how did you find those initial clients? Because I know this is something that comes Um, up a lot for people, you know, like, how do I do it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was um, interesting because um, Instagram had sort of come on the scene, I think just before, or I started to get into it just before we kind of left for the States. Um, so that was in like 2016 I think it was and I just started like sharing my journey Uh, and then I guess um, for some reason I think people were resonating with what I was putting out there Um, and I've always seen Instagram as just like an organic thing I don't follow any rules I just you know kind of post what I feel never paid for any following or anything like that I'm not you know I'm not an influencer and it's not but I think um Instagram's a great tool because it is visual and for creatives or people who love design visual is great and um so I had just put on there that I was you know had got a new name I was relaunching again um and it was my own thing and um That is how I've always got my work. And it's just been from people that you connect with and they understand your aesthetic. And um, I remember that's my dog. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I remember um, I got a phone call um, from a a beautiful, beautiful person, uh, Amanda Shadforth, in uh, Queensland. At the time, she was Oracle Fox, and I was watching this um, reality show on um, Foxtel, and she was actually in it, and I loved her. And I got a voice call, voicemail from her saying, we'd love you to do our garden, our garden design. We want like a mid-century inspired. And, um, yeah, I nearly fell off my chair because uh, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I think in those times where you put yourself out there, it's so scary but i think it's so worth it because that's when the people that you truly align with come into your life or you know things happen um whether it's yeah serendipity but i think if you can somehow i guess share what you're doing and you love i think you'll find those people and so that is how um i guess i started getting my um clients and i had put it out there that i wanted to do national wide work as well even though as a landscape designer it probably wasn't you know done really like that you're quite location dependent uh, but people were open to it and that's kind of how it all started to yeah evolve
1: So can you explain for those who perhaps aren't, you know, hundred percent sure, like what is landscape design? What's actually involved? Can you just give us a little bit of an insight into, you know, a typical sort of process or like what, you know, what you would do in terms of if a client came to you, what are you involved in? What are you creating? What's the sort of the output of what you're doing?
0: So if a client comes to me, um, they may not necessarily have had ever had a landscape designer design their outdoor space. Um, usually it's like once in a lifetime, they're like, okay, we're going to get someone to do it. And it's usually their forever home. Um, it's becoming more and more popular these days and like a, a standard service, I guess. When it was, you know, nearly 15 years ago, um, it was like that people were like, what is landscape design? I remember my mum thought I would just go out weeding. She thought <laughs> I would go and maintain and weed. Gardens, like, I don't know, yeah, for many years. And it was even hard for me to explain it. But I usually just say to someone, it's any space that's outside of the house. So we would usually look at designing, or I would usually look at designing anything that is external of the house. So whether it be like your driveway, your entrance walls and gates, your pavements, your pools, your pool cabanas, uh, your planting, your outdoor lighting, uh, your material selection. So Basically anything's out there and different landscape designers will have you know different things that they may or may not do but generally if I'm looking at it a, a project it would be basically everything in the outdoor space even to um, the facade of the house like the house exterior colors, the doors and windows that relate to that um, facade and um, exterior of the house as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then if you're doing it, um, I guess, remotely as well, working with a client who's based in another part of Australia, like, would you go and do a site visit or are you working off plans? I mean, I realize that each case is probably, you know, different and, and each scenario yeah. is slightly different, but, and, and what, what are you, are you like creating a concept design? Are you like, what, what are you creating for the people that, you know, your clients?
0: Yeah, so um, sometimes there would be a site visit, w- whether it's local or interstate, um, sometimes if it's local, I may not have even been on site before ever <laughs> and I just work from plans, videos, um, photos, um, Google, Street View, you know, there's all these um, technologies that we have these days or they'll, um, the client will FaceTime me and they'll zoom around their spaces and garden and walk me through. You know, what they're sort of thinking, what they, the the views they don't like. And because we are so connected with technology these days, it just feels like I'm there anyway. And I, um, it's easy for me to kind of read, um, like, I guess, surveys and lays of land and get a feel for the space through that technology. Um, Whereas I know, um, you know, some people definitely have to be there on site. And I tell you what, it does make a difference when you can be on site and have a look at the borrowed landscape, you know, how the, um the shadows fall and you do get a better sense when you can be on site but um especially through COVID that wasn't um you know something that could be done um but yeah I I was thinking about the other day and I actually some of the local jobs I've never even been on site before um but have still created a space so yeah I don't know if it's something that um You know, I don't need that within the process. It does help, but it um, hasn't made a difference to it. But I found, particularly through COVID, um, I was missing that connection with the space. So once I receive, you know, site photos, uh, site survey, so we'll always have to have a site survey. And then from there, I would then design the space. I'd start in 3D still. And so we'd create a base model of if it's if we're doing the landscape would be the existing house. Um, so we might just do it very like generic in white or something, you know, not going into too much detail, but plot the existing house on there um, and any existing features. And then I'd design the space like from the ground up. And then I would then send the client a fly through of that and some perspectives. And then we'd go back and forth with the concept. Once that's approved, then I would then do the detail plan. So. The, plan, um, the plans in scale, elevation sections, detailed drawings, uh, along with the plant schedule, um, lighting plan, and then um, the materials and finishes and furniture. So
1: one of the, the big questions that a lot of people ask me, you know, and I know many of them are listeners of this podcast, is that when you're starting out, how do you, how have you learned to navigate that process of charging for your services, particularly when you're starting out, you know, you can be keen to get the work. You just want to get images in your portfolio, but often you still have bills to pay, you know, so it's not always possible to work for free. Or did you kind of do that for a period? Can you just shine a little bit of a light Mm -hmm. on how you've navigated that part of the journey of having your own business?
0: I think it's so important to talk about this. And I remember when I was starting out, I just wanted someone to tell me what their fees were and <laughs> what, you know, what they chat. Come on, someone give me something. And so when I worked for the landscape architect firm, that was, you know, quite, um, great to get that insight. Um, but it was funny that they thought that they couldn't make you know, that the design department would always run at a loss and then make it up in construction. So, um, I come from a very different thought pattern of that. Uh, but. I think it's, it's a challenge um, and it still is a challenge with fees and pricing because I think a lot of us have um, money blocks or certain conditionings that we've learned from a young age um, of how we perceive and see money. So I had to do a lot of work around money. And what I discovered was money is energy, <laughs> it's an exchange. And I think it is a case of, um, you know, looking at it as a return on investment and not necessarily what the fee is, but more so, okay, how is this going to benefit my client? You know, what is their return of investment going to be? And no, I should not limit myself on um, based on what I believe is, you know, enough or not enough. So I think taking that emotion out of it, um is key and i think that's a learned thing over time i don't think that it's something that you just you know when you first start your business you go oh yeah no this is their return and this you know if i'm doing this design for them then it's going to increase their value of their property um but it is a very good way to look at it at the start um i knew that i didn't want to work for free and so i've always been firm on that i would not do um projects for um you know, um, for the portfolio or um, for the accolades. I, I'm not big on awards. I don't put myself into awards. Um, the only one was ever that first one where I did the garden display and it, I didn't expect to win. I didn't, you know, I did it just for the display, not to, to do an award, um, get an award. But um, I, I think it's important to have a value on what you do Um, And, you know, definitely there's partnerships and things that work like that where you both gain value from it. So it just has to be an equal partnership if you are going to then, you know, reduce your fee for for certain things. But I think that's um, like a business transaction. At the start, um, I I definitely wasn't charging enough for what I was doing, but I was learning. So uh, I knew that I wanted to get real-world experience and so I knew I couldn't charge, you know, what I'm charging now. I think it all is related to experience and um, what, what you have done previous to that. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's one where yeah, just make sure you do get valued for your time. Um, some people do like to negotiate the fee. I would say don't just reduce your fee, reduce your scope of works if they, um, you know, if they don't have the budget for your full fee and um, just have confidence in what you're delivering is worth that and then maybe just charge a bit extra on top of what you think it's worth because you will always charge less than what um, value you are giving, I think,
1: yeah. And do you offer like a package fee? Because, you know, I'm imagining it's similar to interior design where, you know, there are some people who say, okay, for this type of project with this amount of work and you judge it on the amount of rough hours that are going to be involved and you would say, you know, it's for this kind of package, you know, the whole thing, and this is all the things you get. Other people work on an hourly basis, you know, how, or sometimes people do a bit of both, you know, like the concept design is this, but if you want to work with me beyond that, then it's a certain amount per hour after that. And then of course there's like the cost plus method or, or whatever, you know, like there's there's different ways. Yeah. That you can work. What what kind of um, model of business do you work with when you're charging?
0: I've always done a fixed fee, and I think um, for that reason, I always think if I was a client, I'd like to know what the whole cost is going to be, um, and then I am um, obligated to obviously. Um, do the work for that amount so that's on me to figure that out and make sure I price accordingly and um, yeah it's always worked for me and I don't think charging by the hour would work for me as well because it's not how my brain works I'm not like a sit down and do an hour kind of person Um, and so I'm just like you know what this is the fee this is the value I can give this is what will be delivered at the end of it, and then um, it's then um, built out in um, stages, so on deliverables, and it, that's always the way I've done it. And um, it just it, it just seems a bit more upfront for myself. Yeah, no, fair enough.
1: And it's interesting because I noticed that you have split off with the sort of new evolution of your business. You've created a new Instagram account for that. You know, obviously you've got quite a decent following for your your current account i'm curious as to why you've done that and and you know why the business name change and and what's the change in focus you know does that reflect a change in focus as well
0: yeah well it started off so when i came back from the u.s it was slightly garden obsessed and then i kind of merged it all more kind of going towards my name so while i was um Trading as Slightly Garden Obsessed, we, uh, my partner and I and one of our friends who's a commercial plumber, we created an outdoor shower line. So I think this was in, two, so I must have, been in, must have been in the US in 2014 because in 2016 we created this outdoor shower, which we still have today, um, and it's sold all around the world. Um, it's a hu- huge business for us. Um, so, yeah, that took the name of Slightly Garden Obsessed. And then because that business um that product was going so well we then applied it to the product and then i kind of just kept trading under mon palmer was my name it was my instagram account and then when um, it came up to so i did that for quite a few years but then i was getting clients ask about oh can you just look at the interiors or we've had an architect design this like what do you think about the flow from the inside to outside and I started to get project um, or scope creep in terms of what I was offering my clients to what they wanted. So I was listening to what the needs were of the people that I was um, working with and they wanted more than just the landscape. They wanted to feel like their spaces were connected holistically. And so that I could feel that that sort of area was starting to grow. Um, More so and my love of looking at the whole space um, was a lot greater than just landscape design. Um, So naturally it just kind of evolved into creating complete spaces for people. But for that I needed a team and I didn't want to, I've always been, I'm very bad at um, asking for help and delegating and, oh, it's such a big thing for me and I work on it every day. There's so many things I work on every day. <laughs> and, um, but I knew if I wanted to continue in this space, I needed people to do it with me. And so I didn't want it to be under my name. I wanted it to be a team thing. And I also, um, yeah, I also had a lot of changes. I went through a lot of health issues and I was just burnt out. I was really burnt out from doing everything myself and, you know, not being able to keep up and just uh, my body was breaking down. And so um, my partner and I were thinking about, and he's a firefighter, he's not in my business, you know, we do the shower business together, but he's completely separate, but he's a good soundboard for me. And, um, yeah, I was just, I just said, oh, I'm either going to give, I think I I need to shut the shop. (laughs) I think I need to just, you know, go hide under a hole for, for a while. and um, But I didn't want to. Like I'm not that kind of person. I can't just sit and do nothing. But I didn't know what else to do because I tried to find what was going on with me and I couldn't work it out. And um, so, yeah, I guess I kind of hit rock bottom. And the meaning of bear carbo um, has a great... Um, Meaning to me, it won't really mean anything to anyone else, but bear is in like stripping down to you know the simplicity of things. And then Carbo was um, when we lived in the states, we went to Carbo San Lucas for our birthdays and we just fell in love with the architecture there. Um, you know, small places, white, cactus black steel, all the things, and we actually came back from the States and designed our renovation on our house based around this. And it was kind of like what I wanted to get more into, like a different kind of style that was my own style. And so um, that's why I created Bear Carbo. So it wasn't my name. It was representative of, you know, my journey and what I love. Um, And then um, that's how I kind of created the new purpose and mission and meaning. So, yeah, creating raw and natural spaces Um, and then, yeah, bringing a team, whether they're in-house or um, consultants that I use. Uh, And I guess it was just more of a personal evolution as well as a business one and then, yeah, wanting to take it into that next step of, I guess, more meaning to the designs that I create so organic sustainable natural raw really to my core essence um, of what i love and then showing people that you don't just have to have that when you go away on holiday you can have it at home you can have that feeling all the time and i think we start i think we've come to the i've got assessments next month but we've come to the conclusion that i have uh may have inattentive adhd And I think that these calming spaces are something that I've never really liked colour. And I think that is a lot to do with how my mind works. And because there's so much internal chaos to have a space that, you know, is nice and calming um, is just, yeah, where my heart is at.
1: Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I mean, sometimes I've been hearing more and more people sort of say, you know, that they've got it um, ADHD in adulthood, you know, late diagnosis. And I keep thinking, yeah. do I have it? Do I, cause like, I mean, there are some elements, of my personality that I think, you know, <laughs> the obsessive thing, I could definitely have that. But then there are other things I'm like, I just don't know. That's not like, I don't know. So I don't do know, I, but I do keep yeah. asking myself. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe it's maybe funny because it, it would explain so much. Like, I just want to have something <sighs> that explains so
0: much about my personality. <laughs> okay. I tell you what, if you know, you know. I think <laughs> I think if you dug deeper, <laughs> and um, you know, it's funny because I didn't know it was like an adult thing, and I didn't know there were different types of it. So the inattentive one isn't like hyperactivity, even though I get super excited, you know. But it's not that fidgety and stuff. It's more internal, um, internal chatter, dialogue, um, disorganization, creative mind. You know, there's so many elements to it and everyone presents differently obviously and that's why I'm getting a professional assessment of it but I do tick all (laughs) all the boxes Um, but it can I guess for me it felt I felt like my life then made sense because I've always thought I was a little bit different from everyone didn't feel like I really fit in and would always look at things in a different way and, look, it's not I don't see it as a bad thing. I think just now that I can understand it and understand myself and be a lot kinder to myself um, and then use, use those elements in a more positive way uh, and put structure in place. So, yeah, yeah, it's def- it definitely has made things make sense, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's from what I've heard about it, it can be a superpower. Like, you know, if you can learn to yeah. work with it, it's actually an um, incredible asset or strength that you can have I have all of it except for the yep. disorganized bit like I'm actually obsessively
0: organized like to the point where it's like <laughs> that's a problem <laughs> but, but like my has. partner. yeah he, we realized when I went on a work trip actually just recently I went over east and usually he comes with men and we take our little boy this time we didn't because our little boy has started school full-time and I went on my own and um, so, one of the biggest things is like executive functioning. So, life skills, just like organization, doing the laundry, eating, like feeding yourself, like all that stuff. And I went without him and the wheels fell off. I was like, oh my God, I don't know how to, you know. So, I kind of defaulted to him kind of looking after me. And I don't want to be like that as a partner. Like, I want to be a good partner. Um, and I want to, you know, help him out too. So, that's why I started looking into it a bit more, just so I can be the best version of myself. But um, yeah, it, it is. I've always struggled my whole life. And now I kind of hopefully, I feel like if I can harness this, I'm going to be going into the best years of my life coming up. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that's so good.
1: Um, Now, I do want to ask you because, you know, there is so much talk about personal brand and how um, you know, that decision to, to move away from your mm. personal brand. I understand all the decisions and choices you've made in relation to how you want the business to be structured and and your interest in, you know, having more holistic approach and all of that. But there mm. is so much talk about, you know, how important a personal brand is and, you know, the connection and, and so on. But I can also see so many benefits of having a brand that isn't a personal brand because it's, I mean, part, I mean, this is like an internal conversation I have with myself a lot because and I'm just curious to get mm-hmm. your take on it because there's another part of me that thinks, well, if it's not your personal brand, then I can almost compartmentalize it differently to then if it's my personal, like for me, when something's my own personal brand, it's hard to um, take away the emotion out of it in terms of like m- my feelings about myself or how I, perceived and, you know, like all of these different things that, you know, in this world of social media and all of the things that can be, you know, complicated sometimes. And I'm just curious if that came into your decision-making at all, or it was really a different decision.
0: I think for me, I think I did want that pressure taken off myself particularly. And I think, and I, you know, I think organically, I created my own brand. I didn't ever set out to have it as under my name because I felt that was like kind of a weird thing to do. But then it has come, you know, quite common these days now. Um, So I didn't want to lose that, and I am known for for my name. But I guess I wanted to create something that was um, bigger than me, and I. And I think if you can have the two, then it's amazing because you can use your own voice to then elevate what you're doing. and you can also pull back you know if you need to as well. so for me i'm I'm very like all in, I go go go, and I just I'm learning how to create more boundaries and take things a bit slower and I think um, by... Having, and look, maybe not everyone wants to have multiple arms and different names and things. That's just kind of like what works for me. Um, I think, yeah, I just wanted to create something that was bigger than me and not uh, not because I'm going to exit out of the business or sell it or anything like that. Um, I think it was just like a feeling I wanted to create with it. A feeling that I couldn't really get with my own name because I think my name's attached to more of my like landscaping days, I feel like as well. Whereas Bear Carbo is like a different iteration of it and what I can, I guess, create. So I did want that to be kind of standalone from there because it felt like quite a big shift. I felt like I couldn't really create that shift with just using my name, mm-hmm. if that and, makes sense. Yeah.
1: And so Can you just clarify, are you going into more interiors? Because to me it seems like such a natural extension of what you do and you create such beautiful spaces like your own home and environment, you know, um, is that you're kind of going more into interior design as well as the landscape design?
0: So we actually, when was it? I think maybe um, six months ago or maybe nearly a year ago, we actually stopped offering landscape design as a standalone service. So our base offering, which is now closed as well, we've just closed our books on residential design. But for the last year, our offering was um, uh, landscape and interiors together. And then our absolute program was landscape, interiors and the building design. So um, majority of our projects now are, um, are that landscape and interior combined. Um, and I have Em who works with me full time. So she's an interior designer. She did her um, advanced diploma of interior design at TAFE. She completed that one, was that a year ago or two? 21. 21. Oh, my gosh. Time goes so fast. Um, so, uh, so yeah, and then I have some great building designers who work with us as well um, on contract basis. So, yeah, it just it was a natural progression and i just i love the interior and exterior space and them flowing together and um you know what i found for many years was this was such a disconnect between the interior and exterior designs and so it's great to just have that consistency and flow Um, but yeah uh, a couple of weeks ago we just closed our books on residential projects Um, so now we're moving into um, boutique accommodation so Airbnb for clients. So um, there's a couple of projects we're doing at the moment um, and large acreage properties. And then we've got our own in-house developments as well. So we're creating an eco resort um, on the Northwest Cape of Western Australia, my partner, Phil and I. So we're actually going into business together again um, for that one.
1: It's exciting. And so can you share why you've decided to sort of move away from residential? Is it sort of the size of the projects and, you know, I mean, obviously as a business uh, strategy as well, is it related to that?
0: We, um, no, like we were so busy with that and we had great clients, we have great um, inquiries that come through. Um, It was more so where my heart was at. So um, my partner and I, we love to travel and I lived in London for a few years. And then, as I said before, I worked for a travel um, agency when I came back, um, but I hated being on that side of the desk. I wanted to be the one going away. And um, so yeah, we love staying, you know, boutique accommodations and um, like farm stays and all those things where you can relish in the design of the space. Um, so very design-led accommodations and. Um, remote destinations, and it's just like it just it feels like you know how we were talking about threads and how they don't make sense at the time. I feel like everything's kind of come together. My love of travel, my love of design, uh, remote spaces, sustainability, off grid. So the places that we're creating are sustainable and off grid, and you know have that element of um, you know lightly touching the earth and um, I, I just feel like it's all my passions that I completely love um, rolled into one. And I think the only way I can really work is if I'm one hundred percent compassionate um passionate about it. And I find that my hunger for things and my learning grows, and I research a lot and I learn new things and I want to always expand on um, what I'm doing and learning. So I think um, yeah, we're really ready for this next stage and it's um, yeah. It just it feels it feels really natural and right. Um, hundred percent scary, <laughs> but yeah, I I just think um, you know we can offer a really great, um, service and product. Um, yeah, we put our minds to it. And
1: just to give a little bit of an insight into, so I, as you mentioned, you've got somebody working with you, and it's interior design. You've got um contractors that work with you, so. How is your role within the business developed? What are you working on when it comes to these projects?
0: So, I do um, still do all the conceptual design um, across the board with things and then work um, with M on the interiors. And so, it's um, with the clients up front, uh, working on the concepts, involved in I guess every aspect still, um, which the one of the reasons why I evolved the business is because um, I do want to take on bigger projects, but less clients because like I get very confused easily and, you know, but, you know, or get sidetracked. I just want to, I guess, simplify, but then like really get into the detail of each thing. So we have less clients now, um, we work on projects for a lot longer um, and Yeah, I guess that's um, still across the board in every kind of aspect of the business. Once we drop down even further, like a niche down into um, the boutique accommodation side of it and our in-house projects, then it'll be again less client work, more in-house focus. Um, And then um, once we open up our um, eco-resort, then it will be, we'll probably go into even less client work from that as well and focus on building that business and our guest experience and what we can offer in this remote location.
1: Now, I probably first came across you and your work through SketchUp and through you sharing (laughs) SketchUp videos. And I think my friend uh, Lauren from Salt at Shoal Bay, she um, maybe introduced me to your work um, when we were sort of doing a workshop, and she was talking about you know what you create, and 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 you know we were talking about you, um, and, you know, and she introduced your work to me in that way. And I know that you've got a um a course that you you do on SketchUp, um, and I've actually had someone from my team. I said you should do this course, <laughs> so you know we've kind of <laughs> done that, and um, like so I know that, that has been kind of part of your your business model. And I'm curious because. I mean, I do courses and online education as well in relation to styling and interior design and the things that I have learned. And I'm curious about um, how much that is still a part of your business. And that kind of, you know, it sometimes can feel a bit of a dance between you know, you're in this world of promoting your course and promoting your, um, you know, your offers in that sense, but then you're also kind of wanting to do the other work and, you know, how you, um, you know, nurture both or have you stepped mm. away from the courses? I'm just curious about your take on that.
0: Yeah. It's such an interesting conversation because it's, oh, I always want to share knowledge and learnings but also with that comes like a lot of responsibility. So, um, when I, I think my, my first course was the SketchUp success formula and, um, I was real, it was really great. <laughs> I didn't really expect so many people to do it. And, um, it was at a time when like, I found it really easy to like talk on stories and do videos on there. And as I've, I had um, our son and, you know, life changes. I got burnt out massively and I felt like I couldn't show up. And that was really hard for me because I didn't want to let anyone down. Um, So I pulled back from that quite a bit and um, I I wasn't advertising it or launching it because that takes a lot of time and work and energy launching and you know it's a real sales process and um so i put them on evergreen which is where they you know you can just jump on and do it whenever you're not doing live rounds and people kept buying them the the courses and sometimes i didn't even have them on my website they'd find them somewhere and they'd be like someone else then people must want it you know it's it's something that um yeah it still surprises me every time someone joins of course you know it, the feeling doesn't change it's um it's amazing and to know that you know you can pass on your knowledge to someone else um but it, i had a real battle with that at one time of you know so i just kind of stopped all of that and there's so much content and stuff there but i just kind of forgot about it i was like i can't show up for that i can't do it it just you know, and maybe if whatever I'm going through and I get done, dyna- if only I'd known this like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it probably would be a different story, but it is what it is. And um, so, yeah, that just kind of ticks along. We don't really do any live rounds for the SketchUp course. Then, we ha- then I had a SketchUp masterclass. It was more of a condensed one of that and I kind of was a new iteration of it. It was probably less of me talking about random stuff and try to condense it a little bit more and focused. Um, And so that one just kind of is evergreen and people just jump on it whenever they want. Um, But last year, I think in October, uh, Em and I uh, thought we would create the Bear model. So it's our, I guess our framework of how we 3D model and then create real life renders in Lumion. Because Bear um, Bear Carbo had been going through a change as well, so I used to just use SketchUp um, for everything, Uh, we started using Lumion for the renders and fly-throughs. And it was just such a beautiful way to represent the designs for clients. So um, I said to Em, well, should we make a course on this? And we created an app. So it's an online app on the phone. And, um, yeah, we share that as well. the whole framework and, yeah, so we've been doing that for since October or November, I think. Um, we've just done a, a live round of that and we have members from all over the world who, are, um, who have signed up for it and, yeah, we are focused on um, continuing that one for sure, especially as it's on an app on your phone um, and we're really proud of, of what we've created there. So we will be softly promoting that. And having that available, um, on yeah, separately. But um, I think we'll just focus on that one and and really um, do what we can with that. And yeah, I'm trying to simplify life. But there's all these things that I want to do. <laughs> um, yeah. And the SketchUp course. So we've kind of combined the SketchUp course with the Lumion. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll definitely put all the links to those in the, in the show notes. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I feel the same way. I mean, there's, there's something really beautiful about sharing your knowledge and connecting with other people Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's so much good of it, but at the same time, it's like, but you know, when you also want to create your own thing and I I don't know, it's an, it's an interesting dynamic that goes behind all of this. But, um, so I was just interested to get your take on it. So I also want to ask before we get through to sort of like the final round of questions that I ask everyone is, um, what, you know, for somebody who wants to do, um, you know, I know you don't just do landscape design, but you've obviously got so much experience in that. What are some of like the key considerations that you always think about when designing exterior spaces and, you know, that you think either things that you see missed opportunities or mistakes that people make, or, Things that you think like these are, you know, foundational, and that people should really think about it when it comes to designing their, um, you know, the landscape around their homes.
0: I think, um, you know, the big thing for me is aspect. So, where the weather is coming in, the sun, uh, the wind, the shade. I think it's really important to capture those little areas in your space. So usually I would ask if uh, the client has been living at that space for a while. And, you know, it may serve two purposes. One, I may not be able to get out there, but um, so they they can pass on that knowledge to me. And two, I think, you know, to really get a really great design of a space, you have to know what's working and what isn't in terms of the elements um, to then, create something that's beautiful but also functional and that you're going to get those beautiful winter morning sunspots or um, you're going to get that great shade on the pool in the heat of the summer when you're there or you're going to get some, you know, palm frond shadow plays happening on a wall. It's all those little things that it's not always layout. Um, It's more so those feelings of um, because of the outside space is living, I think if you can capture those life moments in the space and that's really important, like the sunlight reflecting on the pool and it hits the ceiling inside, um, that's really, for me that's really important, all those movements and the dynamics of the space. Um, another really key one is uh, visuals on the pool, especially if you have kids, you know, making sure you can see there if you need a duck inside. I think for me that's really important. Um, and for others and um, something that will pull you out to the edges of your garden so you can sit back and look back towards the house or the entertaining space so that if you are entertaining, it's like a conversational area, you're using the whole depth of your garden Um, and outdoor lighting, definitely like game changer, yeah. There's some really good tips. Thanks for sharing those.
1: Um, all right, we're going to get to the, um, the last insights, um, that I ask everyone just to get a little bit more of a feel for, you know, your personal journey. So the first one, and more about you as well. The first one is which
0: five words best describe you? Okay. So, um, (laughs) God, uh, I would say, um, Manifestor, <laughs> always smiling. That's not really one word, but mm. disorganized, okay. <laughs> <laughs> smiling, I'll say, uh, yeah. disorganized, um, Oh God, um, energetic
1: and creative. What's the best lesson you've learned on your journey so far?
0: Ah, oh, best lesson, oh gosh, um, it's okay to depend on people. Hmm.
1: Hmm. What's your proudest achievement?
0: Hmm. My son, <laughs> he's a cracker. <laughs> we love him to bits. Yeah, it's <laughs>
1: very sweet. Uh, what's been your best decision?
0: Uh, Following my uh, intuition and my gut feeling and, um, yeah, being my authentic self. Who inspires you? Oh, there's so, um, there's not a particular person, but someone who always inspires me to be better is uh, my partner, Phil. I just adore him and just, yeah, have so much respect for him. What are you passionate about? Oh, so much. (laughs) Life, life. I just want to squeeze everything out of it. Very passionate about life. Had such a rocky start to life. So any moment I'm just, yeah, so passionate about. But I'm really passionate about creating beautiful experiences for people in um, gorgeous locations. What dream do you still want to fulfill? The one I'm living right now. So... Uh, we are creating this eco resort, but it's on crown land, so it's such a long process. Um, very different process than what I've been through before, and so it's yeah a dream that we're still wanting to see come to life. But we're living it at the moment.
1: What are you reading? Do you have any books on your bedside table or coffee book, coffee table books?
0: Yes. So I love um I love like a I love nonfiction but I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear at the moment. And that has been really great because um, for my brain, like I know what I want to do, but I just can't make it happen. Like I just, like the little things, like I can dream of like an idea and make that happen within a week, but the little habits that make such a big impact. Um, So I found that book. I'll read it every time I go and have a sauna or read another chapter. And um, yeah, that's been, it's been life-changing actually. It's a good one.
1: What are
0: you yeah. listening to? Do you listen to podcasts or if not, um, music? Yes. Yeah, I listen to, um, we listen to music quite a lot. Um, and I also listen to podcasts. Um, Mel Robbins is one that I love at the moment. Um, she's recently been diagnosed with ADHD. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it was maybe yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, so that one's um, a great one that I love to listen to.
1: Yeah, actually, I think she was the one I was trying to think of, I was like, oh, there's somebody else that has recent, well not recently, but you know, she's, um, shared the journey she shared, yes. shared about it yeah yeah and I think I listened to that episode as well because again I'm like trying to diagnose like do I have this and I'm like no I, I was like, I'm like I've got something uh, but it's not that yeah
0: see it's funny because I listened to that and I was like is she talking about me I was like what And I, was like, I felt so sad I was like crying and laughing so yeah I was just so if you if you're kind of like oh, I'm not sure then you you probably don't. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm not alone. Because
1: <laughs> uh, I definitely think there's some crazy characteristic. They're not crazy, but, you know, there's some oh, characteristics in that, my brain that I'm like, I just don't know if everyone thinks like I think. I just it's
0: to the next level I, sometimes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. My my partner definitely. He's something we don't know. It's not, it's not what I have because we're like opposites but it's so great because we kind of like meet in the middle, but we both like, we just joke about this all the time. And cause we see there, we call them like quirks or something, but it's like, that's not, I don't, yeah, that's a thing. Like, Yeah. But <laughs> like we just I mean, don't I, know
1: what his is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I, probably I probably have tendencies more towards maybe OCD, like obsessive compulsive well. disorder. Yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah. it just, it, really makes me feel anxious if things are not put away and
0: that yep, yep that yep. is exactly him <laughs> but so like i need him in my life thing. yeah <laughs> yeah you're <were> like no <laughs> like, oh my god like my
1: husband can just like, he can just like leave the jar off the oats for instance like we have porridge every morning he just leaves the jar off and he walks away i'm like why? Why would you just leave the jar? Oh, like he, oh would, my god, like in the past, like I mean, he's actually gotten much better at this. But I remember in our first apartment together, he would just leave cupboard doors open in the kitchen. And <laughs> my friend's like, got what I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why? Why would you just oh, leave it open? Why? Like, why would you I close it? Like. <laughs>
0: it's it's funny because it won't make sense to another person this is like the majority of our conversations like phil and i he's like i'm like why would you do that and he's like why would you do that like we're so <laughs> our brains are wired so different but i'm like i will start something and then my i'll think of something then i'll start something and then i look back and i'm like oh my god that's what i was doing five minutes ago and i don't even <laughs> you don't it's not a conscious thing it's really weird it's so so i have to be it's exhausting actually and i have to be so mindful of every task i'm doing like to Finish it so, so yeah, yeah it's it, you it, would be yeah. like my partner, and it's I feel like we, yeah, come together opposites track yeah. or something.
1: My thing is exhausting, <laughs> but in a different kind of way. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> just yeah. let it yes. go,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. You have to be so like. Perfect. I mean, not that I, I'm not into perfectionism, yes. but you know, like it's just, just no. it's not that important, but anyway,
0: a hundred percent get it. So he, <laughs> he's learning how to let go of things and I'm learning how to do things like it's funny. So hopefully you and your partner are the same as well, where yeah. you can learn from each other. <laughs> All right. And yeah.
1: finally, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self?
0: Oh my gosh. Be kind to yourself. It's okay. You know, like, yeah that would 100 percent be the thing like it's okay don't worry about it
1: yeah yeah i think we could mm. all do with being kinder to ourselves i think it's yeah it's crazy isn't it what we put ourselves yeah. through and it's all ourselves it's not necessarily it, other people. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah 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 so yep yeah.
1: <laughs> well thank you so much for you know sharing about your journey your business um you know your personal story it's um Yeah, I really appreciate, you know, you being open and honest. I think it will be very helpful to other people. And we're (laughs) we're diagnosing people or not diagnosing (laughs) people. But um, yeah, I I do really appreciate your time. And it's been I've really enjoyed learning more about you and your journey and your process as well. So thank you so much.
0: No, thank you. You've just made it so easy to talk. And I my intention was that hopefully it can help others or maybe resonate with others or, um, yeah, help help people understand that they are not alone on this crazy life journey. And I just, um, I've absolutely loved speaking with you. So thank you so much for having me. All
1: of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation, where it was recorded, and pay my respects to Elders past, present, and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton, and you've been listening to Imp.